Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's the Jim Fannin Show. We've come to take your mind. Am I still on... in the house. I'm looking forward to this as I always do. It's the Jim Fannin Show. You should be expecting it. Buckle in and welcome aboard. Damn. I mean, when I was on the radio, like I was a, like a well, I wasn't professional because they never paid me to be on the radio. I did it all for love. But like those intros would get my heart going just like I don't think I felt that excitement for a long time. Like I'm feeling it lately coming in because I don't know, man. It's like, you know, when you get the media pass and you work for 610 CKTB and you, you're, you know, you can get into places as a media guy and you're a reporter and you got the newsroom and you get a producer and they handle all the music and you get the rights to the music and you're the guy. You just sit in the chair and you got to hit the, you know, the nine minute segments. You got an intro that comes in. It's welcome back. This is 610 CKTB. I'm filling in for Tom McCall today. And uh, it's the Jim Fannin Show. And our guest coming up. It's a totally different persona than when you can just talk and talk and talk and talk. And you don't have to hit the brakes. There's no cadence. But that intro, fuck, Mikey. Thanks for being with me again. Uh, You've become a really fast, good friend down here. And I appreciate that. You know. Let me say this. I'm flattered because, like, I, I didn't even think my good friend mode had even kicked in yet with you. You haven't seen a good Dude, friend. Dude, you know, I've t- got a good friend sitting with me today, which you know, and I'll leave him nameless, but he's beaten four-stage cancer, and he's double-vaxxed. So he, this kid is unstoppable, and uh, he's, he's on my deck talking to someone back home. And yeah, well, we're gonna hang I out. Couldn't be later. more lucky, you know. Uh, and I, I, not one for like. Let's let's just get real. Uh, Jim Fannin Senior, Joseph James Senior, suffered a uh, cardiac episode this week. Called the oh, ambulance yeah. in his hometown and got shipped to Hamilton. We thought he was gonna need open heart surgery. 
turned out they were like, oh, man, God is testing my faith down here, and I'm a failing Christian. Um, and uh, the thought of my old man having open heart surgery fucking broke me. It's a little dramatic, but like it was hard. He's old, man. He's not in good shape, and so the word came back that they were gonna, they weren't gonna oh, to break his breastplate is that what they do they cut your chest open and fucking plop your heart on a table and fix it and put it back <laughs> what the fuck no that's not happening to my pops and then we got wordy they were going to go in and do what they could with the uh whatever you know i had it done they looked at my heart when i had pericarditis a few years ago my heart's in great shape this is not so much great shape and then they went in and they broke an artery trying to put a stent in and he was in a constant state of heart attack, medicated. And the next 12 to 24 hours was going to be tough. It'd be a miracle, and the doctor didn't sound confident. And I woke up to a text today. He's off the meds. His vitals are back. The f- blood found a way to that part of the heart. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you, God, man. Life is precious, you know. My old man was born in 1945. Joseph James Fannin. They don't build him like that anymore. Everyone loves my old man. But I faced it today. I faced it this week, brother. And then when my brother told me, like, the next 12, 24 hours are going to be, like, I had myself a little cry. I haven't cried in a long time. He told me he went down to the beach the other day and cried. I don't feel uncomfortable saying that because you're pretty open about who you are and what you're all about and, like you got clean the other day on the beach and let it go, and I, I'm, I'm not that guy, man. So, anyways, welcome aboard. That's a little bit about. I know, not many people watch the show live. Actually, live, I should check and see. <laughs> well, um, anyways, that's man, my open, man. An ode to Thank my you father. for sharing that. Yeah. That opening was touching, and you know, um, James. John Fannin, what Joseph was James. We, it's Jim Senior. Joseph James. The only guy that ever called him Joseph Joe was James his father. Fannin. His, that's yeah. a that's a powerful name, man. Yeah. It sounds like a character from a Marvel comic yeah, book or something. It's pretty cool, pretty awesome. So look, I want to send some positive energy and vibes to Joseph James Fannin and wish him a speedy recovery and to be, you know, in optimal health sooner than better. Um, and Again, thank you for sharing. But that brings me this question, you know, let's just jump right into to like coaching, you know, and get to one of the things that I do. Hello, everyone. My name is Mike Blocker, and I'm a life coach specializing in relationships and a few other things that I'll come to later. But I want to ask you a question, uh, Jim. You know, I know you like to put people on the spot and be spontaneous. And no. Touche, pussycat. No. Here we go. All right. So between you and Joseph James, are you complete? Yeah, I think I am. I think I've got a, I've got some baggage because, and I don't, dude, you're, you're good to hang out right here. Like, I mean, whatever. Um, I think we all have baggage. You know what I mean? Uh, thank you for asking that. It's a powerful question. Uh, my mother died. Is there anything left unsaid? That's what I don't think so. Anything left unsaid on so. this part of your part? I don't think so. I think I'm, okay. I think I'm complete in that department. And I was with my mother. You know, she's, I was just going to say, you know, she's been gone 12 years. And despite the fact that when I got down here, I was on a a THC fast, which 
is unlike me. Let's just put it that way. Um, my dreams came back and they became nightmares. And in in a few of the nightmares, my brother and my mother, that you know, strangely enough, my father was never entering my dreams, but my deceased mother, that I mean, we we're come on, I'm my dad's clone, you know. My mother would always say to me, "You're just like your father." I'm like, why? Do, why do you always say that as a, like a negative thing? Everyone loves my old man. I'm proud to be just like my father. About like I like mannerisms. It's weird. I was talking to Brooke Billy's daughter the other day. And I'm like, she's 25 or something. I'm like, you get more like your father every day. Like, you, you, you forget. Little Billy was my brother for our whole lives. And when I look at your face, I see my little brother. It's like crazy. Anyways, so with the THC fast, I started having vivid dreams. And then some of them were nightmares. And my brother and my mother were always tag teaming me in it. <laughs> always disappointed in me and... I think one, they were walking me out of a property, like evicting me from as a landlord. Like it, like, and I wake up and I'm, well, I mean, I'm affected in a weird way. Like, dude, I've had nightmares about getting the shot, two of them. One where I'm wow. running around trying to figure out how to suck it back out of my body, and in each one of them, I was duped into it, like tricked and and remorseful after. So it's weird, you know, you do a THC fast when you're a regular user and these dreams come back and they came back in such a way. And so I'm not like I am complete with my mother. Right. But then she kept coming back in my dreams. And now I've had to face the, you know, my father's mortality in a more serious fashion this week. And uh, yeah, I think I'm good. I mean, (laughs) this is completely making myself vulnerable. Like, I don't have any video conversation of all the deep talks that me and my pops have about, you know, like, you know, here, here's a good thing. The other day he goes, Jimmy, when we grew up in St. Catharines, there was two black families. One was the so-and-sos. I wish I could remember their name now. Their father worked on the railway. He did very well for himself, and they're a great family. The other family was the so-and-sos, and, yeah, they didn't do so good, but there was, only, like, there was... That was it. And the term for referring to that family is the term that we shall never use. Like that's where he grew up. You know, everyone, you know, it's just a, it's a different time. It's 1950s, right? And it's weird to talk about it now because like, anyways, I'm blathering. So anyways, I had to face my father's like all these talks about the wisdom and the history and how it used to be when he was a kid is only here. And I'm a broadcaster. I want this stuff taped. <laughs> and so the other day I called him. And I did a voice recording on my other iPhone. I said, uh, so I've never asked you this before. Like, what are your plans? Like, like what happens if you don't make it? <laughs> I hate to ask you that, but like, What's up? And you know what he says to me? Oh, if Sandra sends you some ashes if I don't make it down to Dominican Republic. I'm like, dude, like I've been thinking about since I moved here six months. I hope my father lives forever because like I am not in the position to go home right now because I need to be able to come back. Right. Right. right? And I, that's not cemented for me now because I've been struggling to put deals together and it's only been six months, right? So... He says, no, 
you don't. So I asked him, should I come home? He's like, no. And I go, dude, like in my mind, it's my own family that would never forgive me if I didn't come home for my father's funeral. My father doesn't right. care. He's, he's looking down on us, hopefully from a better place than this. But then I start thinking about my father's friends and the fact that I'm Jim Jr., I'm his clone. Like when you look at old pictures of us, it's like spooky. And it's, so it's for everyone else. I'm like, dude, like your friends are going to want to see me at your funeral, dude. <laughs> like, I'm, your, I'm your oldest son, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, no, you don't wow. need to come home. I'll send you some ashes. I got so, it. So, what I'm, so what I'm yeah, I say that all to say that, yeah, I've said I've had those enrollment conversations with my father. Got you know? it. So Here's what I held feet. back. I'll, I'll, I'll get really vulnerable here since you're, or, you know, you're a coach. And this is what we do. And this is, a, I'm glad we, uh, it's weird how the stars aligned, right? Had a few drinks with a buddy of mine today. I'm loose. Nobody knows about my father. I didn't put it on, on social media, pray for my dad. <laughs> you know, much as I wanted to because I want the prayers. I did reach out to my, you know, my Christian community and say, yeah, so they know. But I had those enrollment conversations. My story with my dad is um, you never told me you were proud of me. You never told me I was good at anything. You know, like I was all-star sports. You know, it was my mother that cheered me when I hit the Grand Slam home run in the all-star game and at in Kinsman, okay, so. and my dad and I always held that as like something that was wrong, right? And then one day I got clear with him. I'm like, dude, you know what? You know what I, you know, what I realized you parented exactly the way you thought you should, <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. And right. now my dad doesn't get off the phone without saying I love you. He it was never like I remember. My parents split up, and I was in the back seat. Where he had Johnny Chaka's Camaro, and we're going to the lake house, and it was a you know a separation situation that I'd never faced before. I'm 13, 14 years old, 15 maybe, but a mature 15, like a big kid. And I jumped in the back of the car, and I said, "Hey, pops, I brought uh, uh, ELO Discovery. It's an album, electric, you know, electric like orchestra." And he looked at me in the mirror. And he goes, "Oh, way to go, thanks, bud." And I'm like. My dad just told me I'm a good boy. Like, he wasn't that guy. He came from a very hard upbringing. His father was, you know, my dad's a lot more refined than his father was. His father, my, my, my mother called Chuckles because he was fucking miserable. But she'd jump in his lap and, and torture him and get him to loosen up, you know? And so my father's a little, his father, and I'm less my father, but it's a really strange thing. So, yeah, I had those conversations, and... And he was kind well, of like, well, he's like, well, oh, yeah, whatever. Well, are you drunk? So what I'm hearing, though, is that I got it. You're, you're, you're complete with your dad and you're complete with your mom. You've had, you've had those conversations. But I want to ask this next question because you, you, you addressed that, uh, that there was a conversation of not, you know, him not coming to your game or something like it. So just looking in that world or in anything adjacent to that, when you thought of the possibility of his, his passing, you know, like in that conversation, when you got the phone call, like your dad's in the hospital, what came up for you? What were your first emotions? Like what was like, 
immediately there for you? Uh, immediately, I was, he's going to be fine. They're going to scope it. They'll fix it, send him home. He just got a reality check. It's going to be fine. I went through the same thing. I had pericarditis. I woke up at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning after drinking at my buddy's place and woke up with what felt like a heart attack. And I drove myself from Niagara Falls to St. Catharines, barely made it, checked into the emergency, went to the front of the line. They gave me morphine and whatever else they give you when you're having a heart attack. And I said, you're going to Hamilton. You've had a heart attack, Mr. Fannin. Okay, so and, you uh, pretty much thought your pops would be okay. I don't even know why I'm going there. What, what was the question you asked? I got the details. question was when it first came up. Oh, yeah, telling, because I went through this. Okay. I got scoped. Yeah. My heart okay. was fine. I came out of it. The, they treated me for the inflammation, and I was fine. So I, I felt like they'll scope them. They'll, first of all, okay. I thought they're going to find nothing because he's a fanon. And that's what happened to me. Or second, they're going to fix whatever they can. And then it got progressively worse. And then I'm like, open heart surgery? Wait, the guy's not in good shape. He's 77. This is serious. You don't cut somebody's chest open at that age and think they're going to recover quickly. Now I'm getting a little more progressively worried as it starts. Then I was relieved. Okay, they're going to go in. They're going to put a stint in. Again, I'm back to we're good to go. And then to, oh, they went in, they broke an artery, a part of the heart's not getting blood, he's having a constant heart attack. The next 12 to 24 hours are key and the doctor's not confident. Now, now I'm facing it. So what do I, what do I feel? I don't know. All I feel is um, the Our Father came out of me. Over mm -hmm. and over and over. God, your will be done. If this is your will, that's it. Like I'm, And what am I designed to learn from this happening? Not poor me, not why me, not why him, not... What am I to learn from this? So I think it... I don't know, bro. I don't know if I'm answering the question, but... When it was serious and it was broken, the first thing I think is my little brother. Thank God he's there. And then I start thinking, what would I do without Billy? <laughs> like, we all lose our parents. Man, when I lose my little brother, if that ever happens, well, I'm still here. <sighs> I don't know what that looks like. And it makes me think not n now that I'm just talking to you about it, how did my friends bury their children? That's a tough one. You know? Yeah, so, that's a tough one. So anyway, I didn't, I didn't know we we're going down this road, but it's well, well we, there's we twenty minutes back of in. the gym. I, I was show. just really wanting to address your father's situation. Just make sure you were complete, yeah, or set you up with, you know, the beginning of that process, so that mm -hmm. way, when he transitions. You know, because matter can't be created or destroyed. It only mm -hmm. transforms. So uh, the energy that is him will just transform into another form of energy. Uh, another mm -hmm. form of energy that we, from this dimension, 
cannot interact with. You know what I mean? Um, I think we could. And, and you sound like you're complete to me for the most part. Yeah. So like let's sew that up. Oh, thank you for giving me the space to do that. I didn't plan this. Uh, it's really cool that I'm, I'm sitting with me uh, hermano. This, you know, my brother. And yeah, he conquered stage four and double vaxxed and he's sitting with me today. So I'm grateful and uh, I want to get into these charts. Um, and I want to I want to have a full on intro to Mike Blocker's coaching program because, bro, you know, I love the fact that you and strangely, like I've set you up with a couple of people. You know, and I can't wait to get the update from them because you get it, you care, and you're good. You know, just to be straight without the frills, like you, you, you get it. You get people. You get the struggle. You care. You want to help. And you're good. You're talented. You're insightful. You're articulate. And you know what the best thing I was talking to my buddy that's here, I was telling him how grateful I am, like, who you are to me. And I said, you know, some guys, like um, one of my other best friends down here, I really don't have anything for him. There's nothing that comes up in the way of coaching. Have you ever thought about this in your life? There's just nothing there for him. He's, I don't know, maybe he's, I don't know. But for you, man, you know, I shared with you this week something that came up, it was just boom. It's just right there. It's so obvious for me to call you on it. And then for you to tell me, you're like, dude, and no one's, no one's called me on that. And you're right. And I talked to my coach about it and I made a commitment on it. I'm like, dude, like there's nothing fucking better than seeing something that's so obvious. And I think it's like God that puts, that, that's not me, because I'm not that bright. It's God that goes, you know what Blocker needs to hear right now? Here, I'll give you the words. And it's, it's 100% foolproof. I've never had a conversation that I feel that came from, and I don't you know, necessarily know it in the moment. Maybe I do. Because when the words, like, it was really important what I said to you. And I said to a friend of mine a couple of years ago, and we've never met physically online. We, we just started chatting. And I'm like, why will you not accept love? Do you feel like, is there something that you feel unlovable? Like you're not worthy of love because you resist it. And she was like, dude, it ch- one question changed that woman's life completely. No one ever told her before. And it's not like she didn't know. She just needed someone to say it. So anyways, I'm grateful for you because, yeah, well, your access and uh, for what I just previously mentioned. But the the greatest thing for me is like, (sighs) dude, one day you're going to say, I remember when Jimmy Fannin told me this. (laughs) That's all the thanks I need. Dude. Well, anyway, so 23 minutes in, I'm blathering like a. All right, so I say all that to say I'm setting you up. I know you have a few things you want to roll through, 
and I promised you an hour. I'm committed to that. We're 24 minutes in. I love the it's fact that you put the stuff uh, in visual. So you're actually going to share because I don't have any links, right? So the, we're going to. No, no, I'm going to just share some stuff and, yeah. and just now. Last now time you shared, we, we last time you um, shared, we did have a little bit of bandwidth issues, but let's try it. So, anyways, I say all that to say thank you for being in my life. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about my shit. And this is kind of like a coaching call, I guess, right now, which um, it's fine with me. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're getting something out of it. And I'm sure those listening, someone is hearing something for themselves. So uh, let me say something that you, you led to, you, you addressed. One of the things that I think makes me a good coach or a good human being is because, and this had nothing to do with coaching. This is just the way I live my life. I live my life in a way where I am always seeking the truth I'm looking for the truth and I'm not always capable of living aligned with the truth all the time, but for the most part I do. And what I've discovered is that just living a life where you seek and are committed to the truth will have you have a great life. It doesn't matter whether or not you ever find this truth or discover it. That's irrelevant just the pursuit of it will lead you down a path that will have your life be rooted in, in, in you know, high level of integrity that will have you have a, you know, as I like to say, perfect, whole and complete life, just pursuing the truth. And so what me and you were talking about, Jim, and even some of the stuff you shared is just being in pursuit of the truth. What's the truth? And the truth varies from person to person, individual. But when you're not living in your truth, and as, as we say, sometimes when you're being inauthentic or out of integrity, not living in your truth, you're going to experience some breakdowns some disconnections, uh, some strife, struggle in your life because you're not living in the truth. So that's one of the things that I work with my clients to get is to, to get them really clear on what's the truth and how aligned are they living in it. So if you're heart, your head and your feet are aligned, then you're going to have a good life. You're going to be happy. But if, if what you're thinking isn't aligned with what you're doing or what you're feeling, you know, you're out of alignment, probably inauthentic in some way. And you're going to, you're going to have some, you're going to have some challenges. So, um, what, what I do basically to, to sum it up is I live my life in a way where I'm always seeking the truth and that's it makes it makes a huge difference. And um, the first thing I want to share and, and get out there in the world of coaching to share all of you. So my name is Mike Blocker. I am a relationship coach. I specialize in how to create and live your best life now. I support people in getting from where they are to the ideal dream life that they want to be. I have done it for myself. I live in the uh, Dominican Republic on the beach right now, which is on my bucket list fantasy thing. So during COVID, um, I lost everything and decided to recreate myself and the dream life and job that I wanted. So I started a coaching practice, moved to the Dominican Republic where I could live on the beach, which was on my dream to live in the Caribbean. And now I do what I love and I love it of my life. So I support others in creating the life that they love as well. And then in the world of relationships, 
I also do coaching around sexual expression and freedom and support people who are interested in um, transitioning from traditional monogamous relationships to open relationships or even polyamory. Um, so that's what I do and I specialize in. When I say relationships, I just don't mean relationships as in romantic relationships. I mean relationships, period. I can support you with anything you're dealing with, anyone that is enduring a relationship, whether it be you know, a significant other, a spouse, a sibling, co-workers, whatever, just relationships in general. That's what I do. And then one more big thing that I want to announce that I am just joined. I just joined this community called DreamWork, which I'm going to be like the lead coach coaching um, weekly for these programs. So as some of you know, coaching can be pricey for some. So what me and my friend, good friend Dan Nzinga has created is he has a bunch of programs with a large community of following. And so I'm going to come in and start coaching the people in this community who are in these programs, these, these 21 day challenge programs. And we're going to start offering group coaching for this community. So that's a way for individuals who aren't certain or sure about signing up for one-on-one -on -one coaching, or maybe aren't in a position financially right now to afford it. Here's a way to get coaching for practically, you know, pennies on a dollar, let's just say. You can get some great coaching from me, and we're going to have some other coaches coming on board in this community. Um, and it's a way for you to access the coaches without in, in a group environment and not necessarily have to pay the same price if you would on a one-on-one -on -one basis. And so the website where you could sign up for this program is called daninzinga.com. Dan is a very good friend of mine. So again, it's daninzinga.com, and you can sign up for this yearly program to take 21-day challenges, which... I will be offering, again, coaching programs um, associated with it, each challenge. So that's that. And then my website is called chrysaliscoaching.com. And one other thing that I am launching at the end of next month is a book club, monthly book club. And you can sign up for that at thechrysaliscoaching.com. And also, if you're interested, you can book a free discovery call for me on my website as well. And you can find me under Mike Blocker on Facebook and on Instagram, Mike Black, our best life coach. All the so links are in the way. show description. Thank you, brother. Um, tell me this. Do you come across talented people that you partner with? Like how often do you run across a guy like me that's broken? Uh, and you're like, dude, don't worry about it. I'll coach you. We're going to do something together. How, how many times do you um, co-partner? Well, <laughs> I've done that a few times and, a couple of times it was great and a couple of times it did not go as well. And, and, and for, here's my opinion around that. People value things a little bit more when they work for them. If they don't work for it, they have less value in it. So for some free coaching isn't valuable to them. It's like free advice for whatever the reason is. It's weird. Like the people who pay me, you know, six, $800 a month, for example, seem to get way more value out of my coaching than the people who. So I do it not as often as I would like to because it doesn't seem very effective when people don't pay. Now, there are some people who I, I had a few people that I coached for free and they, they ate it up like chicken soup, man. And they, you know, and they transferred my life and I was very grateful and they were grateful. So it's a, it's a iffy thing, but I, I thought you were someone, Jim, who uh, would take some action around it and, and get it. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to 
seeing you get fitted for your butterfly wings. <laughs> you know what I felt? The, uh, I, we spoke on a Saturday. I think maybe it was maybe Monday. I woke up and felt a little guilty that I hadn't reviewed my notes and I kind of forgot about what we talked about. I'm like, oh, you know, it's one thing to cure the guilt. You just read the shit, dude. And, uh, you know, that chart you, f you put up like in real time, you know, gave me the ability to talk to my friends and go, just talk to this guy, dude. Like you talk to a girlfriend of mine from back home. She's not transformed as we would say, you know, she's not like, she hasn't done the landmark form. And it's, it's weird because, you know, a buddy of mine that I'm pretty close to used to talk about EST. And, yes. you know, he might have even done EST back in the day. And he's like, oh, yeah, Landmark, whatever. That's a blah, blah, blah. And, I, you know, and it was really impactful for me. So tell me how the foundations of Landmark Forum created the basis for how you coach like where do you start integrity's got to be number one right well that's one of the things that i did um i don't want to say pick up from landmark but they drilled it in me from coaching for their program for all those years because integrity is a huge foundation of their uh practices or our life and everything so i did i did get a clear understanding of the five aspects of integrity from working at landmark now, um, there are some other methods or ways of, of being that I got around from, from Landmark that I use. For example, about the whole doing, being, and having that has shown up in other um, coaching modalities of books that I've read. But I was first introduced to, to Landmark, and I'm pretty clear that it is accurate, that it is, it is your being is the highest level of consciousness and connection. It's not in what you do, what you have. So that also is something that I use in my coaching. I focus on having my clients have a shift in being more than a shift in what they do and what they have. And what they're doing or what I want to have them do is aligned with having them have a shift in being. Because if you don't transform your being, you are going to still come back to the ways of being in the life that you aren't particularly fond of. It's, the shift has to happen on that cellular level, that spiritual level for it to really take hold. So um, I hope that answers your question. It does, enough preamble. Let's run through, we got 25 minutes. No rush, we can go longer if you want, no problem. But you got some graphics, you got some stuff you're gonna share and put up and give us an intro. No, you know what? I wasn't gonna share any graphics today. Okay. Today, I just had some stuff I wanted to just talk to people about and really leave them with something that they could walk away from on this call and implement in their lives today that's going to make their lives better. And to again announce that if, if, if you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more and you want to spend some time and have a free discovery call with me, go to my website, thechrysaliscoaching.com and book. And I'll throw my phone number out there if you want to, if you have issues or anything and you want to just reach me directly, it's 404-218-5793. Again, 404-218-5793. Mike Blocker. So here's Mike, one thing Mike, that I want to give me to you. Just before you get started, I don't want to break your stride, but that's uh, I appreciate that because that one, 
it's vulnerable. You're giving out your personal information. Yeah. Anybody can call you at any time. And as a real estate coach, I know that, you know, I teach, you know, I used to teach how to get 7% commission off or four to the selling broker and why it could put more money in the seller's pocket. And you can teach the, the, the logistics of this, of the sales job. And it's good. It's not much of a sales job because it's good for the seller. And then if they don't get their price, they can negotiate down. But in the field, you can have all the training, but in the field, when you have a breakdown, you got to have access to the coach and go, dude, here I am right now. I'm in breakdown. Help me out. So that's, that's really important because real time, you can teach all the stuff. You know, we know the principles of think and grow rich. We could run a course on it. Maybe we don't apply it in our life that well. But in the real world, when you have immediate access to a coach like you just gave, that makes all the difference, right? Because you can have all the, all the coaching you yeah. need, but if there's a breakdown and you don't have your coach, it helps when you do. So good for you, brother. Well, well, thank you. And let me, I'm gonna build on that. You, you gave me something great that people can walk away with here. Okay, so the way you build, the way you grow a system, Jim, is you have to stress a system, okay? For it to grow, right? Which is why growth, generally comes when people are uncomfortable because the system, whatever that system is, it's being stretched, okay? So let's use this as an analogy. If you have a broken leg or broken heart, this is just one, one aspect of it, you're going to take care of that broken appendage and, and, and put it in the cast and wrap it up and you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna do whatever to damage it. If your leg's broken, you're not going to walk on it and you're going to let it heal properly before you go off and use it again. Okay. A lot of people will have a broken heart and they don't take the time to allow it to heal before they get back out in the relationship game or put their heart back out there. And then they end up incurring more damage because they didn't take the time to process all the emotions from their last relationship or process all the heartbreaks that they experienced from their relationships with their first, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend, as I like to say, mom and dad, you know, which is where you created your archetype for relationships with individuals. So if you got a broken heart from mom and dad, you're carrying that with you, right? So take the time to heal, okay? Hurt people, hurt people, heal people, heal people, and transform people, transform people. So take the time to heal, okay? Now, Back to the stretch a system, stress a system to grow a system. Okay, and I'm using this to analogy to explain the power of love and the heart and, and get, because a lot of people are struggling in relationships because they're afraid of being hurt, they're afraid of having their heart broken again. So here's a new context I'm gonna present to you in regards to that. You stretch a system by stressing it. That's how you grow a system. So the heart itself is the very powerful muscle and it's, you know, uh, uh, supports your um, the uh, blood system. I can't remember the exact name of it, but imagine this, okay? The heart is a muscle and like any other muscle, okay? You have to stress it, stretch it to, to grow it. You have to tear the muscle and then you replace that tear with new fibers and new material and you put proteins and amino acids and, and then you grow this muscle. That's how you build muscle, right? The heart's a muscle. so. I have a belief in a philosophy that when you have your heart broken, that it tears and it rips, right? 
And then if you allow it to heal properly and give yourself what you need, which would be the equivalent of the protein and the amino acids. So if you give yourself what you need, right? The love you need, the healing you need, your heart will grow back stronger, which will increase your capacity to love, okay? So I see a heartbreak as stretching, stressing the system of love and allows your heart to get torn apart and then it gets rebuilt and now you have a stronger heart than you had before the previous heartbreak, okay? Which has increased your capacity to love. So from that context, a heartbreak isn't a bad thing, okay? It's the process of making your heart stronger. So I hope that could make a difference for some of you and shift your context around what it means to have your heart broken, okay? In every situation, a circumstance, there's always a gift and an opportunity. Always, 100% of the time, and it's up to you to look for it. Whatever you believe, you're going to look for, and whatever you look for, you're going to see. So if you believe every situation provides you with a gift or an opportunity, you will find it. I promise you, you will find it, okay? Because, again, whatever you believe, you're going to look for it, and whatever you look for, you will see. Your mind is very powerful, and it is designed to make you right. That's your ego's job, to make you right, to keep you safe, and have you win. Mikey, you know what I got most of our conversation on our first coaching call after the guilt subsided was notice your habits. Make a mental note of what you do as soon as you wake up. Keep a diary. Log a history. What do you do? What's the first thing you do when you wake up and make a note of all your habits throughout the day. What what are you doing? Where are you spending your time? Yes. And I got really clear on that. And I remember a buddy of mine back at home, Dennis Ford. What the hell? He worked at Sears. He came, yeah, <laughs> my buddy's laughing in the background. And we worked at Multitech where I was direct together. And I remember a pride. Like I walked out, I gave him a, a listing presentation and he wanted a discount and I'm like a 7% guy. And I just, I got, I got triggered that he was trying to grind me cause he was a grinder and I walked out and I never dealt with him again. And that was the end of her. And that pride cost me, you know, a lot of money over the relationship of a, you know, a, a finance, like a business relationship that could have, if I hadn't, it just, you know, got triggered. Right. And he told me when he quit smoking cigarettes, he forced himself to do nothing but smoke cigarettes. He couldn't watch TV. He couldn't read. He had to stand and do nothing but smoke. And he got so tired of doing nothing. <laughs> and he stuck with it. And, you know, I, I like your discipline because, uh, you know, another thing that hit for me probably the first time we met is I think you mentioned uh, maybe it was action Jackson. Yeah. Maybe it was action, a 30 day uh, challenge and action I think was committed to being sober. And I think when he was telling me about it, he was having drinks and you know, it was on a day that he broke down, but that stuck with me. You know, there's nothing, more powerful than saying, you know what I'm committed to is 30 days of none of this stuff. And for me, it's social media because on social media, as I shared earlier on our last conversation, you know, I was going to ask you 
what is your underlying commitment to social media? And yours is much different than mine. Yours comes across as loving. And uh, mine comes across as my underlying commitment is I want to drag you down to my level and make you angry and bitter like I am. <laughs> because I think it's a, insane that we're putting masks on children, so it drives me crazy. So I want to make you incensed that we're covering our kids' faces. And so the underlying commitment, you know, for me is all politics. But, you know, and that's why I said to you the other day, if I spent the time that I spent being hate hateful not hate filled because i'm not full of hate i'm full of mostly love but the hate is you know it's it expresses itself and i have to remind people all the time my twitter account and my facebook account are not human beings okay so don't treat them like one yeah a human being runs it but do you think i go around saying these things in real life (laughs) yeah it's my opinion it's my take but it's typically a stage name it's a it's a profile it's a it's a a way of being that's outside of being human don't treat it like human but for me if i spent the amount of time that i spent being triggered and trying to make people angry like i am about the the issues that i'm passionate about on building a real estate business <laughs> Dude, are you kidding me if all i ever post for the next 30 days maybe i'll make the i'll make a commitment to you now since you're uh, coaching me for the next 30 days i pledge to not post anything on my social media channels that isn't real estate related or somehow related to dominican republic because none of the rest matters it doesn't make me a dollar and it's not productive so i'm giving it up i'm giving it up right now mikey thanks for the call (laughs) you know this is like You know, when you, Jordan Peterson put it best. Every day, stop doing something that you know is unhelpful. Mm -hmm. And every day, work on trying to do something that is going to make a positive difference in your life. Stop buying into the useless activities that don't further your life. And, and, you know, if you just did a little bit, and you know, I love how he puts it because if, if you just improved your life by a, a, a tenth of a percent every day, the compound interest on that over 90 days, are, you wouldn't recognize your life. Because I'm going to give you a, a, a context so that I think may land. Check this out right. to tie into what Jordan Peter was saying. He's saying do a little bit every day. Some people say, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? You know, how do you take on this? You know, and as I said, a good life is a bunch of good days put together. Okay, right. So, a good life. I, I, I just want to pause there. A good life is a bunch of good days put together. A good day is a bunch it. of good minutes put together. It's like, dude, that is so freaking powerful. You just said it like it's, you just like it's a toss away. But that is a powerful way to look at things. Like a good life is a bunch of good days, and then break it down. Good minutes, good so hours. Just wake up the next day. You don't got to think about the future. Just, just well focus done. on that day and make that a good day. Well done. You know? But here's one more I'm going to give you, right? A lot of what's rooted underneath this, Jim, is lack of self-love, okay? People who lack self-love is why we do not treat ourselves as well as, as we should. So here's the analogy. 
I see people who drink alcohol and say, for example, smoke cigarettes, right? I was hanging with some friends yesterday and they were doing both. And on the bottle of alcohol, it has a warning label. And that warning label says, you know, consuming this product may cause these health issues, you know, and on the cigarette pack, it has another warning label that basically says the same thing. You know, consumption of this product has been known or shown to cause cancer and all these other things, right? Birth defects and so on and so forth. Yet millions and millions of people partake in these both of these things, you know, cigarettes and, and drinking, even though the warning label is right there and it says, do not put this in your body because it's going to harm your body. Now, the same individuals who do that, I've, I've been talking with friends of mine and who are smoking and drinking, knowing that the damages the, the, that it could cause in their body and they'll do it and they'll love it. And then that same guy would say he would not put a certain product in his car that's gonna damage his car. I'm not going to put that stuff in my car. That's going to mess my engine, right? You know, and I'm listening. I'm like, wow, you love your car more than you love your body. You know, I had a woman once say that she wouldn't put grease in her sink because it was going to clog her drain. But this was the same grease she was eating in her food, but she didn't want to put it in the sink. And I'm like, hmm, how did you not make that connection with my thought? Like, if it's clogging your drain, it's clogging your arteries too. So, my point is this, that one of the things that's missing for a lot of people, and a lot of people aren't aware of this because I wasn't aware of it myself at all, is a lot of us aren't aware of how much we lack self-love. Because if we loved ourselves, we would not do some of the things we do to ourselves. Amen. You know, and, Amen. and that's what's really up underneath it is we don't love ourselves as much as we love our things. That's why I resist all my Christian friends that are like deep in theology. You know, I describe myself kind of self with self deprecation as a failing Christian because I can't quote scripture and, you know, I've got a faith and, you know, I'm not trying to recruit anyone. I'm, I've seen transformation though of people that just, you know, a girl, man, it's weird how you. You can fall in love from a hundred yards or 40 feet and go, wow. And so I know, I don't even know this girl. I couldn't take my eyes off this girl at a, at an event where we had a bunch of mutual friends and back and forth on, on Facebook, just at a, you know, superficial level. And, you know, I'm pretty good at saying, I love your face, you know, like, when I called you earlier with my buddy, I heard, look at how fucking beautiful this guy is. <laughs> it's, it, it used to pain me to give a compliment because I just thought it was acting or inauthentic when I was a kid. I could not pay a kind of, you know, when I was younger, I couldn't, I felt so uncomfortable telling someone, Fuck, you're looking good, man. Like I saw you on the street with Davey from Manchester the other day. I'm like, look at this fucking guy. You're ripped, you're tall, you're good looking, you're clink. You're like, dude, <laughs> Come on, man. I want to take you with me, brother. Come to the gym with me this week. Yeah, yeah. No, that would be great. Um, now, if, where was I going with that? Um, I don't know. Sometimes you, you do what I call a Bill Cosby. Shut up. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the last. 
I lost my train of thought. It'll come back to me. Uh, what was I? What was I hitting on? Acknowledging. Oh, well, you know, I was talking about people not loving themselves. And lacking oh yeah. Oh yeah. Love. My Christian friends. Yes. Much wiser than I. I learned something every Thursday morning when I do my men's group, which is yeah, it's based in Christianity, but it's a men's support group basically. And um, they remind me all the time that I'm not special. Everyone struggles with the same thing. And uh, the scripture, love your neighbor like yourself today. The problem is <laughs> if you love your neighbor like yourself, you're treating your neighbor like shit because no Thank one you. really loves themselves. Like, I mean... All the things we do, but now if you put it on a scale, you know, like if you smoke cigarettes and drink too much, yeah, you're killing yourself slowly, but you're still here. So, you know, yeah, I get the lack of personal responsibility these days. I get the lack of, well, personal responsibility is, is uh, I think, a, a part completely separate from lack of self-love but you know the scripture that says love your neighbor like yourself you can do that and that's not helping your neighbor out anymore because you don't really like, nobody actually loves them like what do you think the percentage of people that are transformed and actually love just who they are and it's got to be less than a half a percent of the peeps like we're all stuck in this whole thing of self-loathing and well sabotage i would say that number is small um I don't know, 15, 20% of the people may have achieved self-love to the degree where they're like free. But I, I, and I'm guessing, I don't know the actual number. That's a hard thing to assess. But most of us are dealing with something from our past that doesn't allow us to fully accept and appreciate who we are. We have some incompletions from our childhood whoever our primary caregivers were, that you know, we created defense and coping mechanisms to, to deal with you know, the reality at that time. You know, we, we got put in a situation where we had to ask ourselves the question, what do I need to do? Who do I need to be to survive or be successful in this situation? And in response to that question, when we were asked that question at seven or eight or whatever, we create the best thing that we can come up with and what happens is some of us do not forego those ways of being and we take them into our adulthood and they're decisions that we made when we were like you know kids so that is what i believe leads a lot of people down that road of not experiencing life fully and completely and whole and, and being in touch with who they are and being able to love themselves because they have an incompletion from their childhood that is still like a, like an open tab on your computer. It's like an open tab that you don't know is open, but it's pulling resources. That's kind of what, what incompletion from the past is like. And when you discover the tab is open and then you close the tab, you get those resources back and you get to apply them to something else in your life. So, uh, I, again, support my clients in distinguishing open tabs on their computer. We close those tabs so that they could 
get that resource power back and apply it to something that they want to create in, in, in life. Why would you spend a whole lot of time trying to avoid and pre pre prevent a negative occurrence from happening again versus spending that same time and energy in creating the life you want? Here, Put your energy into creation versus into protection. Here's another thing that comes from my men's group. And at one time I called bullshit. I'm like, okay, you know, the idea that they're to be grateful for the hardship, be grateful for the heartbreak, be grateful for the hard times because you're learning more than it's a gift. I'm like, okay, enough with the freaking hard times already. I'm ready for I'm ready for a win. Like, stop it. Don't tell me well, that these things are good for me because I let me, let me give it. you one. This 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 will this will make you feel good, Jim. Listen to this one. So there was this farmer in this small town and he had a few horses and he entered into a contest and his horse won first place. And so his neighbors came over, all the locals came over to tell him, hey, congratulations on your horse winning. Rahu, you got the best horse in town. And he says, no one knows what's good or bad. Nobody knows. And then they looked at him kind of weird, like, hmm, how strange. And they all just left. They didn't even respond. So he goes home, he takes his prize winning horse home. Two days later, because word spread around town about this prize winning horse and that it won this money and that's the value of the horse, someone stole his prize winning stallion, okay? And these same neighbors that had, you know, acknowledged him for winning a couple of days earlier showed up at his house to commiserate the loss of his horse with him. And they're like, oh, we're sorry you lost your horse. Sorry about that. And he looked at him and said, no one knows what is good or bad. And they were like, what? So they like, he's weird. And they left again. So a couple of days later, about, say, close to a week later, this prize-winning horse had managed to escape from its captors, right? Jumped the fence, got out, and it knew its way back home. So on the way back home, a couple of the mayors saw this horse, and they joined in, and then they returned to the farmer's house. And now he ended up having his prize-winning stallion back and like four more horses that were wild that showed up at his thing. And so then his neighbors come over and they say, oh, wow, we saw your horse came back and you have four new horses. How lucky are you? That's amazing. And he looked at him again and said, who knows what's good or bad? You never know. And they're like, oh, that's kind of weird again. So they left again. So a couple of days later, the his son was riding one of these new mares trying to break it in, got thrown off and broke his leg. Okay, so again, here come the neighbors. Oh, we're sorry your son broke his leg. And he responded as expected this time. Who knows what's good or bad? We don't know. Okay, then about two weeks later, his son was still later with broken leg, broken leg. When the army instituted a draft, they were going to war, and they said all young boys between the ages of 17 and 25 were in draft, which his son was. But because of the broken leg, he got an exemption and he was not summoned to war. And again, the neighbors didn't even go over to say anything because they knew he was going to say, who knows what's good or bad. And as you can see from this story, Jim, that sometimes a circumstance can look like it's a bad thing and it can turn out to be beneficial. And there are some times that a circumstance situation can look like a good thing and actually turn out to be otherwise. So I try to not judge 
situations that much in the moment or just to judge at all because love is the absence of judgment and just allow things to fold out and play out because there really is no good or bad there really is no right or wrong there is just what works and what doesn't work in line with what you create and say you are with protecting that's it hey mikey so um thank you for your wisdom and you know while you're talking i got my mic down i'm off camera and i'm talking to my brother you know not my brother my real brother you missed a great story too Jay. yeah no that's good but you know whatever i got you know gotta do what i'm doing here i'll put myself back on camera gallery and the story you know i don't watch my stuff back but the story's going to help someone else and i'm good with that so thank you for sharing um two things i was wound up the other day about a year ago i was close to my bed and I forced myself to sit on the corner of my bed and concentrate on chilling the fuck out just for a second. And I spent 20 or 30 seconds because I'm, I'm, I'm not disciplined. My mind is all over the place. I got a mind like an air traffic controller. And meditating for me is painful because my mind is so busy and I feel like I'm wrong when I do that. So a couple questions. I sat on the corner of my bed for a very limited time, let's call it 30 seconds. And I talked myself off this hyper perch that I was on running around. You know, it was nothing serious. I had company running around. I just fuck, dude, I need to chill out. Like what the hell, I'm, I'm wound up, why? Dude, it worked. And I haven't done it since. <laughs> so two things. How do you take personal responsibility without beating the shit out of yourself? Because I am very responsible, but I also punish myself for taking responsibility. And how do you stop sabotaging from the standpoint of you find something that works for you <laughs> and then you commit subconsciously to never doing it again it works so good positive affirmation waking up in the morning and doing a wall sit for 60 seconds waking up in the morning and spending 30 seconds meditating on clearing your mind and having a good day these are simple things man but there's kind of like this underlying commitment to aim down and sabotage and actually live a shitty life <laughs> live a painful life because You've done it. You know it works, and then you refuse to never do it again. So a couple things. How do you take personal responsibility without punishing yourself? And how do you stop resisting and sabotaging by not practicing what you know works, which might be you know, a mindful meditation of 30 seconds when you wake up? And then that's All right, two good questions. One is... The first question you asked is, um, I'm sorry, the second question was, how do you stick to the things you do when you know it's good for you? How do you keep them? And the first question again was, I just drew a blank trying to bring it back up. Um, tell me that first question. Tell me that first question again, Jim. Okay, it, it, two questions. It, the first one. Uh, how do you take wrong. personal responsibility, which I, I think are pretty good without, at, without I punishing I yourself? Easy. It's this simple. Remove the judgment, okay? As the Dalai Lama says, and I say often, love is the absence of judgment. You stop loving yourself. 
when you judge yourself, okay? So do this, take a look at your life, your daily life, and look at how often you judge people, yourself, circumstances, and events. I mean, really take a look at how much you judge them. And here's how you can tell you're judging, you're in a judging mindset, is when you're feeling negative, bad. Anytime you have an emotion and it does not feel good, there's neutral emotions, there's negative emotions, and there's positive emotions. Anytime you're feeling a negative emotion, 100% there is some judgment that is generating that. There's something that you are saying to yourself about this experience, about this thing, this event, or this person that is causing you to have this interpretation of them that's causing you to have these bad emotions. It is your judgment. And when you remove the judgment and you discernment, okay, you will no longer feel the negative emotion that comes from that. And then the other, to answer the other question of how do you stick to the good things that you know, um, statistics from um, studies done on people who take on, you know, goals or programs who people who get accountability button, when you get an accountability button, a partner, someone to hold you accountable, you increase your chances five times the amount than if you attempt to do it without an accountability button. So one of the first things I always have my um, clients do is to get an accountability buddy. That's one way to get someone to hold them accountable. And then another way is to have them teach what they want to learn and that know to someone else. Sharing your knowledge is another way to generate you um, moving forward and maintaining a goal because you're giving it to someone else and, and you're supporting someone else, taking them on a journey with you. So in a sense that holds you accountable to perform and participate by doing that. So those are the two ways, um, Jim, that I would suggest and recommend immediately that would make a difference for people in dealing with, with the things that you just mentioned. All right, brother. So I'm going, I'm a new prospect. I contact Blocker. I go, okay, I'm taking you up on, uh, on a free coaching call. What's the first question you're most likely to ask your new prospect? Um, well, I have a few generic go-tos, but sometime again, because you know, I like to base my coaching on each individual person, have it customized. So I have a few questions that I have them fill out before they even come on the call. And I always read all of them. And if, it, if I see something very urgent or pressing, I'll, I'll start with a question specifically with that. But, but the, general, the general, one of the general things that I go to is, you know, I, a lot of times I ask people what their purpose in life is and have they distinguished their purpose in life? Do they know what, it, what they're here to do? How many and that's people, one of my favorite What's ones the percentage of people that cannot identify their purpose when you ask them that? Uh, probably three fourths of the people are not clear on it. Right. They go, I don't know. And there's some people like fifties and sixties who still haven't really figured out what their purpose is, because they've been just committed to working to survive, to get ahead. But hmm. they don't take the time to really distinguish it. So, um, not a lot of people know their purpose in life. Yeah. Small number. And underlying commitment. 
the possibility that you have invented for yourself and your life is the possibility of so you asked this question about what's my commitment to my social media page so i am the possibility of love and higher consciousness that's the intention of my social media page my facebook platform is to generate love and to generate higher consciousness so i am the possibility of those two things and um and i am being that everywhere i go i'm being love and i'm being higher consciousness what's your act What's my act? You can't tell me what to do. Did you kill that? Is it still uh, for a me? lot? Yes. And you know what I did, Jim? I took one year on where I was a yes to everything, all coaching. Really? So I let everybody tell me what to do. And that's how I cured it. You said yes <laughs> to everything. 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 <laughs> every Everything everybody said to me was good coaching and I had to take it. Wow. And that transformed that for me. That is very cool, man. Well, we're coming up. What are we at? An hour, eight minutes. An hour, nine minutes now, bro. See how fast that flew by? That was great, yes. You got anything else you want to add? No, I just want to re reiterate where people can go because I really, about this new thing that I'm starting with my buddy Dan and Zynga, I really want people to take advantage of this because quite often my experience is that I will get people on the phone and talk to about individual coaching and their response is, I can't afford it. So what we're creating here is a, a, a community where I'm going to do group coaching and the price of which the coaching will be at, you have access to is literally a tenth the amount of what you would pay if you had to get this coaching um, individually. So I strongly advise those who would love to take a look at some coaching or even just be a part of a community. Uh, this community that my brother Dan and Zinga built is an amazing community of a lot of people who are committed to growth and development because he offers a lot of 21 day challenges. So people will take the challenges and I will be the first coach that's coaching um, the um, weekly coaching calls around these challenges for people to come to and uh, get support with breakdowns and breakthroughs, whatever they're dealing with around the challenge that they're in the program. So it's a really great opportunity for individuals to either get exposed to coaching or get some coaching at, at, at a, a drastically discounted price and to move their life forward and begin that journey of creating a life they love and be in a community of amazing people who are all transforming up to big things, doing big stuff. And again, his website is daninzinga.com. You can sign up for the 21 day uh, challenge programs there. I believe right now it is still listed at $300. So the entire year, and there are over 15 different programs that you could take for that one price. And then along with the coaching. And then my website is thechrysaliscoaching.com. And I have a book club and another Best Life Now program. And I will also be launching another program with a friend, Julie Archambault, called Sex Up Your Life, Co-Creative Incubator. That launches on June 7th. And that is a program which we work with people to support them in removing the barriers that prevent you from having the most, the best sex of your life and increase your intimacy and your sexual expression. And that program again is called co-creative sex incubator launching June, I'm sorry, July 7th. So well, dude, well, contact me to find out about that or go to that website, co-creativesex.com uh, and you'll see me and Julie there. So that's another thing that I'm working. I got some good stuff coming down the line. 
and uh, I got cool. some stuff coming. So All yeah, right. so that's right. how you can reach me on Facebook, Mike Blocker, and on Instagram as well. And I did give my number, and I'll do it one more time for those who really awesome. are committed. Four zero four two one eight five seven nine three. Send me a text first. I get a lot of calls. I don't answer them off. I don't identify who they are. Same number on what time? Sorry, four zero four two one eight. 5793. Send me a text. Let me know you're calling to talk about coaching or one of these programs, and I would love to hear from you. And Jim, my purpose in life is to serve others and having the, I live my best life by supporting others to live in their best life. That's it. Amen. So uh, when you're happy, I'm happy. Same number on WhatsApp? Same number on WhatsApp, 404-218-5793. That's me. Me, yep. Hermano? Is that my brother? Mi hermanos. Mi hermanos. Mi hermanos? I've been saying it wrong all the time. I kept saying mi hombre, but that's my, my man. man. But it's all like, you know, when I was a caller on uh, the radio show before I, you know, worked my way on as a like a host on terrestrial radio, my calls always started with my brother. And so I try to say hola or Bon dia or buenos dias, mi hermano. But I always get it mixed up with uh, hombre. So either way, my man, my brother, I appreciate the time. I had something really profound I was going to mention to you, but now I forgot it. And we're at, uh, we're over an hour, man. An hour and 20 It was great. I got to do some coaching this time. It's awesome. Yeah. And uh, yeah, thank you for the space that you've created. You know, in like this show, I didn't plan on. You know, I told you, I'm I'm with my boy. I'm a few drinks in. Yeah, I, I think I'm you having fun, and this is this should be interesting. I did a I did a show last night with um, a recovering drug addict <laughs> who's a lead singer in a band back in my hometown. I used to do a lot of um, spotlights on local musicians, but this guy posted something the other day as a fentanyl addict and. It came from this, that, and the other thing, and I had to deal with past trauma, and, like, I'm clean. I'm like, I need to talk to this guy. <laughs> and I had this conversation with him last night, and I'm like, I, sometimes I don't know why I'm, I don't know this guy. And, you know, the number of people that contacted me and go, dude, that was some powerful stuff. Thank you for that. So thank you for creating the space for me, you know, today, like I said, Normally, I don't post personal things. I'm all about sure. politics. I'm all about, like, w we talked about the underlying commitment, but, you know, I reached out to a couple of my Christian communities for prayer, but, you know, you created the space for me. I didn't know what we were going to talk about today, but it turned, okay. the first 20 minutes was a huge share about my dad, and maybe you'll see that as a tribute, and, Whatever. Um, I know most people oh, don't watch. I thank you, man. I want you to go enjoy your day with your buddy. And thank you for taking time out. And hopefully we all get to hang out. And I'm going to go do the same thing. I'm moving. Uh, so I'm about to start packing. And oh, dude. I actually have some friends over, too. Are you right down the hill? Yeah. Well, if you got a second, head up the hill and uh, come and see me and meet my boy. If not, right, well, get, give me. I have some guests here too. Okay. So give me a minute. I'm going to be around. Let me know. I love All you, right, brother. I will. Thanks for the time. I right, thank you. Peace thank you for you. having me. Thank you very much. All right. Peace. And the background is like 
the moto conchos i live right in the uh lobby that's mike blocker i hope you enjoyed it i'm going to go enjoy my boyfriend who's been very patient and actually you know he's uh at some level been uh participating because you know i can go like this hang on and then mute my microphone and talk to my guy while Mike Blocker was telling his stories and coaching and you have no idea so <laughs> peace love hug your neighbor and whatever you do love your neighbor love your enemy whatever you do stop covering your face with a filthy dirty diaper I love you I'm out